0: Shop Talk is brought to you by the Kosho School of Karate's premium martial arts training equipment. Frustrated with the low quality of the big manufacturers, the hassle and expense of custom made equipment, or the months-long delivery times offered by the Japanese brands, if your order ever arrives at all, Kosho offers makiwara, iron sandals, specialty punching bags, and other premium martial arts training equipment, all at great prices and great delivery times. Kosho equipment is guaranteed to be high quality and heavy duty, exactly what serious traditional martial artists demand. Contact the Kosho School of Karate for more information. Go to www.koshoequip.com or email kosho school of Karate at gmail.com. Kosho, premium martial arts training equipment for the serious martial artist. Chop Talk is back, baby! This is your host, Nate England. Wherever you listen to the show, please write a review and give us a 5-star rating. Check out photos from this week's show on the Chop Talk Facebook page, and please share this podcast with your dojo mates. Chop Talk has been on a little hiatus for the last few months, and I appreciate all the messages I received from everyone who is missing the show. But just because I haven't been podcasting about martial arts doesn't mean I haven't been doing martial arts. Ezra Scott from James McLean's Kosho School of Karate in Nashville, Tennessee joins us this week uh, to catch up on the training, travel, events, and everything else that has happened since our last episode. We also have some great interviews and episodes lined up for the next few weeks, so check back in soon. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show.
1: Hey, Nathan.
0: Ezra, how you doing? I'm doing good. How about you? Pretty good. We on the air here for chop talk. We are, we are on the air, man. It's been a, we've had a little hiatus for chop talk.
1: <laughs> yeah, we have. We hadn't been, we hadn't been chopping. Well, we've been chopping, but we hadn't been talking about yeah,
0: it. Yeah, man. Just because we haven't been podcasting about martial arts doesn't mean we haven't been doing martial arts. That's
1: right,
0: man. That's right. I to the contrary, I tell you, in the last, what is it now? Four months, three months—the last three months, four months of 2019—I was everywhere, man. I was everywhere. It was—it was intense.
1: Yeah, you're going to have to update me because I—I I mean, I hadn't been able to keep track of it. You really have been all over the place.
0: Yeah. Well, the last time I think the last episode that we put out was with Harvey King promoting the. Uh, Johto seminar back in September, uh, which was on September 6th and 8th. This was the first uh, ever Cincinnati ECUSKF Johto seminar. And if I can brag a little bit, man. You can. Go ahead. It went great. The the turnout was fantastic. Um, This turned out to be the second highest attended Johto seminar in... The United States. There's bigger ones in Canada, uh, but in the United States, this is number two. Uh, the only one bigger is the national uh, Jodo seminar that they that they do in conjunction with the uh, a big Eido or a sword seminar. Um, mm-hmm. and we had uh, some of the top or the top instructors in, and you know something that surprised me was uh, we had. <clears throat> You know, the seminar and test were both on Saturday, but I said, okay, we'll open the dojo on Friday and Sunday for open training. Anyone who gets in town early uh, or wants to do some extra training, we'll just have the dojo open and see who wants to, if anybody wants to stop in.
2: Sure.
0: And we wound up having so many people, basically everybody who went to the seminar, came to the the open training at the dojo so
1: oh wow we probably people had to take turns being on the deck
0: take turns we had all the furniture and the training equipment we moved it outside so the the weights um, and the bags and everything all got moved outside and then we ran out of we still ran the room inside we had at least a dozen people training in the parking lot at one time out in the back. Um, that's phenomenal, so I mean it just I, I was I was shocked how how many people came i mean we had people from i think i i counted it up, i think something like fourteen different states, so people from all around the u s came you know all of our dojo members really stepped up to help not not just the jodo people, but we had all the karate people too that stepped in and and lent a hand. And uh, it was just – it was good, man. I'm, I'm really happy that it, uh, it went well.
1: Yeah, and it, I'm, gl- I'm glad you're happy with it because I know it took a whole lot of work. I, for for the listeners that, that aren't aware, you know, of practice like Jodo is a – that's a, a martial arts and a cultural preservation in Japan, and the people in charge of that take it very seriously that it not be uh, presented, you know, incorrectly – so it's not easy for somebody like you to do what you did. It took a lot of work, you know. I mean, I remember hearing about it. <laughs> and it was something that you were really diligent about for like a pretty long time to be able to make it happen. So it was really a, on a big achievement for you on a number
0: of levels. Well, well thanks, man. I, I appreciate that. And, uh, and guess what?
1: <clears throat> What's that?
0: Because it went so well, we can have one this year.
1: Dang, that's awesome! That's yep. really cool. So that you, so you really kind of set the the framework for something there where they realize like you you can handle that. Right, right,
0: yeah. So it looks like this year uh, the seminar is going to be mid August. It hasn't been completely uh, confirmed yet, but it looks like mid August. So if there's any Jodo practitioners out there or anybody who's interested in. In jodo uh, this is great we'll have a beginner session uh, we actually had a lot of beginners we had uh, a couple karate groups from Illinois and some other uh, uh, we had some kendo practitioners who you know they're high- ranking kendo but they've never done jodo and sure. uh, and so the even the the beginners are, are welcome at this so if you have an interest um, you know keep listening to chop talk you know follow the uh, uh, the ko show uh, School of Karate Facebook page, and we'll be posting updates for the new seminar.
1: Yeah, it's definitely not something you want to miss. I got to go to the one where you had the, um, your uh, teacher and dojo mates from Oklahoma there, and it was really cool. I, I had a really good time. And I'm not a Johto practitioner, and I still had a really awesome time learning. I think that's really great to have a beginner's section Because it is a martial art that not a lot of people are familiar with, you know. So it's really cool to be able to have it be something where folks who are at an entry level with it can come and get to participate and learn something because it's a hell of a cool martial art. Oh,
0: yeah, man. Definitely, definitely. Now, uh, two weeks after this, now the week after this, the weekend after this, I believe I slept. <laughs> <Because> I, was, <laughs> I, I did nothing. <laughs> but that was the final weekend where I did nothing. But, but then the, the two weeks after that, uh, you and I got to see each other because that's when we had the black belt test that's here in right. Cincinnati.
1: That's right. We had a hell of a black belt test. It was great. Me and Neil came up. Man, the guys did really good. I mean, really, it was very impressive experience. Yeah, and I was getting to be up there with so many of the older uh, coaching school members up there was really cool too. You know.
0: Yeah, I was looking at it, and I think this was the first black belt test that we've had at this school in in more than ten years. Um, oh wow! Some people have been promoted to different degrees of black belt, and there wasn't necessarily always a big sure. test involved with that. But to have a mm-hmm. you know a sit down board review black belt test, it's been I believe at least at least 10 years.
1: Well, for those, uh, for the listeners that aren't familiar with Shuriru, you know, Shuriru, since they promote two ways, you know, they'll promote, just, you know, give a promotion when they see that the student has earned it, but there also is a formalized testing. And that's what we were doing that weekend. And it is really in-depth. When you have students that can perform those tests it's really a it's really an impressive thing because you're doing all the bunkai's of the katas the different wazas you have to verbally explain what you're doing as well as be able to perform it physically you have to perform uh throws properly chokes joint locks you know that aren't even in the katas like judo stuff right uh it's there's a lot of kumite (laughs) and you're doing the kumite with everybody everybody being all black belts because that's who's testing you right uh when you're completely exhausted after having done that for two days so uh it's definitely a situation where in the past people there's been dental casualties
0: Dental casualties, you know,
1: stuff like that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and, and I don't think there were any dental casualties this weekend, but a couple people did hit the deck. <laughs> yeah, a couple people hit the deck. I, I saw think, a couple people go down in the kumite. <laughs> I think I
0: think you hit my jaw pretty good. I couldn't close it right for uh, three or four days, and uh, Joe got me. Joe got me right in the nose, and there is a video of it. Uh, one of the guys was taking short videos as this was going on, and, and it, I haven't posted it anywhere. Now that I'm reminded, maybe I'll post it either on the Show Facebook page or the Chop Talk Facebook page, where it's it's perfect timing. You're, you throw this roundhouse kick, and you're sparring Evan in the foreground, and Evan blocks this roundhouse kick, this two-handed block of this really nice roundhouse kick, at the same exact time, in between you and you and Evan, Joe moves in and pops me right in the nose of this snap punch. I mean and it all happens simultaneously. I gotta send that to you. I gotta show that gotta get this out there. It was great. I would
1: I would love to see it. It was it was it was really in a lot of ways a glorious black belt kumite. I know Sensei Hammond, he seemed really tickled. <laughs> About the Kumite, so you yeah. know, if for Mister Hammond to be that tickled, there it was going down. We were getting after each other. Out yeah. there.
0: absolutely. All right, well, then it was really cool. And then we ate,
1: and we ate a lot of cheese conies too. Let's not leave that out. Oh no, that's uh, that... Neil. Uh, Since Neil and myself have never had Skyline Chili before, all these years that we've been coming up to Cincinnati to train. We had never been to Skyline Chili. And, of course, for, for those of you don't know, that's a real big deal in Ohio. You know, they have two kinds of Cincinnati Chili, Skyline and Gold Star.
2: Mm.
1: And uh, Cincinnati Hammond is a Skyline man. So we went there and got a bunch of... Uh, Cheese conies at night, and that was really a big highlight of my trip as well. There, because I had never had them before.
0: Yeah, everybody who comes to Cincinnati needs to try those. Even the um, every time we have a Japanese visitor, that's what they want to try too, because they've read on the internet, ah, oh, a uh, cheese coney, that's
1: right, a
0: cheese coney, yeah, and Jack Daniel, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, we get them drunk on whiskey and eat, and eat some coney dogs. That's right. All right. Uh, right, man.
1: So what happened after that? There's more travels. We're not done yet.
0: <laughs> We're just at the beginning of the list, man. So the the next that's right. the next two weekends, I was in Detroit. So uh, Peter Peter Boylan uh, offer the author of Musings of a Budo Bum, which is a good book. Everyone needs to check that out. And former Chop Talk guest, mm-hmm. uh, he put on a, a seminar up there. This was sort of a Private invitation seminar. He brought an instructor over from Japan, a Jodo instructor, and <clears throat> and a couple guys from our school went with me. Um, Ken Kirkmeyer is one of our uh, top karate instructors, and also Paul Tarvin, who's our number one Jodo student. Both of those guys went up one on one weekend, one on the other weekend. And we had some great training in. Uh, Koryu Jodo so uh, the seminar we had was on seite or standardized Jodo, Jodo and the, the seminar in Detroit was on the Koryu or the old style Jodo and there's a little difference between the two but it was great training and he you know brought in this fantastic instructor from Japan um, and also the same weekend as one of those we stopped by the uh, there was a board meeting for the Kendo Federation and so we stopped in there to see if we could get a reaction because we hadn't heard anything back about the Jodo seminar we put on in Cincinnati. And so I wasn't—I was a little nervous going in. I don't know if they—they they were going to say, "Ah, this is terrible. You guys aren't allowed to do this again. What the hell are you doing?" Or you know, you know, this is great. You know, keep keep going. And uh, I think we got the. This is great. Keep going. So I was real happy about that.
1: That's great. I like that. I like that. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting thing. I don't know if we've ever talked about that on Chop Talk before. But would you want to just give them a, the basic of what the difference between Koryu and Seite is? Because that was really interesting to me. I think it sort of says a lot about what those what the mar, what those martial arts mean to people over there.
0: Sure, sure. Well, the the Koryu Jodo so. The Jodo started, there was a samurai, Muso Gunonosuke, and hundreds of years ago, he had a, a match with Miyamoto Musashi. Miyamoto Musashi, is the, uh, he was the author of the Book of Five Rings. He's the guy who had the two swords. He's probably the most famous uh, sa- Japanese samurai. And Gonnosuke had this match with him. The first match he lost, they had a rematch. Gonnosuke won. And uh, in the rematch, he used the Joe, or the short staff. So, he started teaching this, and over hundreds of years, uh, the Jodo spread around Japan, and there were different groups and different schools, and there's different groups in Fukuoka versus Tokyo and other places, and so all these different schools, of course, just like they do in, in every martial art, things started to change and morph and modify over this, you know, three or four hundred years. And so, all these schools are still teaching it however they did it, but... The um, uh, this group came together, I don't know, 50 or 60 years ago to create a standardized set of jodo katas, and this group was from the Japanese Kendo Federation. And so, they got all these other instructors and schools together and they created a set that could be taught to anybody. So, any all these different schools could learn it and then go train with one another, or somebody starting jodo could learn the standardized set, and then you know, if you move from uh, you know, Nagoya to Hokkaido. Theoretically, you can go and work the same kata. Typically, you'll learn seitei, the standardized first, and then once that is looking good, the instructor will move you on and work on koryu in the old style. And it's going
1: to be more specific to your school, right? Yeah, you're, koryu.
0: Your school more specific to your school and your lineage, and there'll be you know there'll be different sort of tips and tricks and movements that are a little bit, you know, to make sure you're going to win in the fight.
1: Yeah. I thought that was really interesting because that's something that like with over here, I think a lot of Americans will want to go straight to the hidden deadly techniques. You know, there's sort of a feeling that like, well, I Mm -hmm. want to do the real, the real thing Uh, where actually in Japan, they would consider you to be, that's sort of weird and almost kind of disrespectful if you don't know how to practice it the way that you do it with everybody. You really should learn that first how to do it with everybody. That's important to them.
0: Yeah, and I would say that, but but both both of them are the real way. I, I don't think one is so yeah. because when you're working the sete, you are working on the techniques. You're working on how to do the movements, do the steps correctly. And then when you get to koryu, there's just there's more kata's. So rather than twelve kata's, there's something like sixty some kata's, and there's different there's different nuances. But working the seite first, in my opinion, is very important because you get your technique refined. And if you if you have good technique, then learning the koryu is no big deal. If you just learn the koryu, some people who just want to learn the koryu, sometimes they wind up looking a little sloppy.
1: Yeah, then their their fundamentals lack.
3: Yeah, not everybody, of course, but uh, I've just kind of seen that in general. This is Mike Tarvin of Tarvin Plumbing Company. You may have heard me answering questions as a plumbing expert on The Gary Sullivan Show over the years. I'm here today to make you aware of our company. We perform plumbing repairs of all types. We've been in business since 1907 through five generations of family members. That's 109 years of providing top-quality workmanship and outstanding service. If you're having issues with leaks, stoppages, water heaters, fixtures, or piping, we're here to help. Spring rains may be taking a toll on your sump pump. To help out, ask us about our summer sump pump special. We can inspect the existing pump and replace it if necessary for a special summer price. We can also inspect or add a battery backup and other devices for extra security to keep you high and dry. We offer you peace of mind for your plumbing system with reliable, trustworthy service backed by years of experience. Tarvin Plumbing is a Cincinnati company with an appreciation of the wide range of plumbing challenges as this city offers. So if you or someone you know has a need for plumbing repairs of any type, please think of us at Tarvin Plumbing. You can reach us at tarvinplumbing.com. That's tarvinplumbing.com. Thank you.
1: Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, I, I think that I've seen that to some extent, like when when you and I have done grappling stuff together, mm. um, where my most of my background with it, I mean, Mr. McClain did teach us some judo, but we didn't really spar a lot Mm -hmm. uh you know it wasn't like you know or even drill that much it was more of an intro and he taught us some like effective ways to utilize throws for self-defense that were really good and i still still teach those but he you know encouraged me to to go out and get more formalized uh grappling training just because he really felt like that was important and that was what he did you know he wasn't one that thought everybody should Only train like at their school, you know, in that in one martial art. He thought it was good to get, you know, additional grappling training, like a lot of shiryu teachers, I think, are like that uh, because since Trias was so into judo and everything. But, uh, anyways, my my, there is no judo around here, so all my grappling training has been uh, Brazilian jiu jitsu and then now wrestling, Mm -hmm. and I'm pretty effective. You know, as far as like uh, doing that stuff, you know, if you and I were to spar, I would have a good chance of getting you to the mat, yeah, and then being able to you know control a position and get submissions and stuff like that. But when it comes to the actual throws, a lot I can see where a lot of the stuff that I have learned is it is like the Gracie Coriu.
2: Mm, okay. of Kosen judo.
1: Okay. you know essentially that's what those guys they learned Kosen judo and then they turned it into something that you used for street fighting and they and that was really a huge i mean it was a huge uh you know that their contribution was they they figured out how to apply that on the street in a way that you know nobody was i mean it, it's japan you're mm. not applying Kosen judo on the street <laughs> right. you're applying it in a competition and in the dojo Right. But uh, I can just, anyways, long story short, I can see when you perform the throws, you know the sete, for lack of, I mean, I know that's not exactly the term for that, but you know the sete of seonagi, where I know, you know, how to do it in a way that it may be effective, but fundamentally, I'm not as good at the basic technique as you are well you know, and, like it's just something you know and it's six and one half dozen of the other neither one is like i'm not saying that i learned it wrong but it's just there is something to that to learning it in that learning the fundamental the fundamental demonstration way of doing it mm-hmm. to really get something from that and,
0: and so, i think I've seen. and i think that ultimately you need you need both so i am yeah i'm a brown belt in judo. I'm an EQ. I'm the highest level of brown belt, but I'm a brown belt in judo. And when I went out to other places, I worked out at the Sacramento Judo Club for a while. Uh, I've was i I've trained at the Kodokan, the world headquarters in judo. It was, it was obvious that although I could do some of the throws technically, when it came to working the throws against somebody who's really done a lot of competition, like the guys in Tokyo or you know, I mean, you know, training, some of them were training. We met some guys who were training for the Olympics, but they're on their high school judo teams and other people that are very serious. I think that's kind of where I was lacking, where I've learned them technically. I can throw them, I can, and I've used them on people who don't know anything about grappling. Or, But I, I I think that I need a little bit more of that practical use for the throws, and the takedowns, mm-hmm. and maybe you need a little bit more of the refinement, and I think both of our techniques can get better by learning the other side
1: exactly yeah i really I really agree with that. I think that's a it's not one it's not one against the other right it's both right you
0: know? yeah. all right, man, well well, next, speaking of throwing people, um some of the guys at our dojo did something really great and I would encourage. Anybody who has this opportunity in their dojo to do it. So um, we have uh, some, a lot of medical guys that are training at our dojo. We have a couple doctors, a couple nurses, uh, a guy who was uh, stationed uh, overseas in the military and worked on a lot of like first response, first aid, uh, like in Afghanistan, and. What these guys did is they came together and they put together a first aid course. So they went over the CPR, what to do if somebody has a break, a fall, a seizure, anything like this. And we, we invited all of our students and these guys trained up all, of our, all the students on what to do in, in case of a medical emergency.
1: Oh, that's great. I really want to do that. I think that's really great.
0: Yeah, I mean, I know you have medical guys at your dojo as well. Uh, Neil's Neil and uh, Richard both. And um,
2: mm-hmm.
0: the other thing is, we did, we invited the parents also because, you know, we have a lot of parents that are sitting there watching the kids' class. And we said, okay, anybody who wants to come to this, there's no charge. Um, you know, they didn't receive certification. Like, it's not, you're not officially CPR registered, but everybody learned how to do it. Yeah. Um, which is really important because you're going to have injuries and whatever martial art you're doing, you're going to have something. It's important to be able to figure out what to do when that happens.
1: Yeah, and out out in the world as well. I mean, especially, that's definitely something a lot of times when we're talking about self-defense, all people think about is self-defense against being attacked by another person with a weapon or without a weapon. Mm -hmm. But when you're thinking about, you know, defending yourself, something like that is, I mean, you're actually a lot more likely to use it. I mean, as I think you and I can both testify, most people that train pretty heavy in martial arts, especially martial arts where there's a lot of sparring and stuff, don't really get in very many fights. You, for a variety of reasons, you know, you just don't really tend to engage in that kind of thing outside of the dojo. Um, But, I mean, geez, everybody is going to get hurt someday or be around somebody that gets hurt. And then also, God forbid, you have to use some of this stuff on somebody, Mm
2: -hmm. and you hurt
1: them really bad. It's great if it's possible, if you can employ life-saving techniques to help them. You know, it's kind of like if you're going to carry a gun, it's a pretty good idea if you know how to do basic first aid for gunshot wounds. Yeah, and have the basic materials with you as a part of your kind of concealed carry kit to be able to deal with that you know i mean i think it's just like a really good thing morally and ethically for people who are training in mm-hmm. techniques where you can hurt people mm-hmm. and it's also good legally yes really good legally because it's, it's one thing if you you know end up having to hurt somebody really bad but if you can also try to keep them from, you know, any undue physical harm or death afterwards. That's definitely a lot better look than if you just hurt them really bad and leave them there to to die. That's
0: you know? a that's a really good point, Ezra. You know, some nut comes into Starbucks, uh ranting or raving, takes a swing at you. You have to knock him out or do do something else. And then you're trying to help him out, stop the bleeding, whatever. The cops come. What happened? This guy was a nut. He attacked me. I had to defend myself. Oh, yeah? Well, how do we know that you weren't the aggressor? It's like, look, I'm trying to help this guy now. You know, it, it really looks... Yeah. Really looks good. And the gunshot... I never thought about this until you brought up the gunshot point. You know, I, I think the a lot of people that have the concealed carry, they're doing it... They're afraid of this mass shooter scenario. So uh, they're at the movie theater uh you know somebody comes in starts shooting they pull out their uh mm-hmm. they pull out their concealed carry go Sylvester Stallone on them, take them out but then not just the person you shot but the other people that may have been injured by the other person you know uh exactly, yeah. th- there or, was...
1: or unfortunately by you yeah well that's true yeah that is how it goes down because if you're if you're a uh, civilian who is inexperienced with that kind of thing you're you're likely to shoot somebody else too you know <laughs> so, yeah
0: absolutely unfortunately absolutely which is
1: not to say that people shouldn't shouldn't do that shouldn't consume carry but it's just uh when you you have to look at all those things realistically and realistically all that is a, a part of that
0: you Re- know? realistically yes it is that's that's an important point all yeah right. so that's
1: a really good thing that's something yeah that's definitely i've been uh talking to the guys at my place about trying to you know do something like that too because it's definitely something that I have kind of like you were, you had, uh, said earlier, you know, we have had so many people who are in emergency medicine at our dojo that yeah. it's never felt like something that I really needed to do. Cause mm-hmm. it's just like, well, if somebody gets hurt, these guys know what to do. Yeah. Uh, but I would also like to know, you know, what to do. Right. And I think that it's also lo- looks good for you. If you're a person that you have a school, you know, it's kind of like being a part of a, a uh, network of background checking where you're showing that you're not, uh, you know, a predator. You know, where when somebody comes to your school, they can look you up and say, "Oh, okay, this guy's in compliance with." You know, I think that's a a new thing. They have it for like Olympic sports. I think it's called Sports Safe or something like that.
2: Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Where you
1: you know, a parent a parent can look at that and see that, like, hey, this person is like dedicated to not having you know any kind of abuse in their program and the same thing with this if as a parent you can look and see like hey man these guys are really serious about safety in the dojo that like if something happens to my kid or one of the other kids they know what to do or adults that's like a really cool thing you know it's definitely the kind of thing that if if that can start to be a precedent in martial arts schools rather than this very odd thing <laughs> right that occasionally you'll have a school where the people are really prepared if it could start to be a thing where most of us are are really prepared and we're encouraging each other in a positive way to be a part of those type of things that's really good for martial arts you know it definitely yeah. make more people want to do it when you you feel safe to have your kid there
0: looking for a way to gain an edge on the competition want to give your body some much needed relief and relaxation Try Medical Resort a Okinawa's specialist in sports therapy and wellness care. a offers customizable massage therapy. Try their oxygen chamber to increase metabolism, reduce fatigue, and promote faster recovery from injuries. Take their stretching course to increase flexibility and release muscle fatigue. a also offers special courses in static and thermal therapy, foot therapy, and head therapy. Or try a session of ATAC's latest offering, acupuncture therapy, with their fully licensed acupuncture therapist. Want to find out more? ATAC is open Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Stop into their center located at 12830 Oroku in Naha City, Okinawa. Call 098 859 1890 or visit them on the web at www.a-tac.net. That's www.a-tac.net. Staff is fluent in English, Portuguese, Spanish, and Japanese weekend after that, I went international. Oh, man. So I went to uh, went to Toronto, Canada. Uh, we're still on Jodo. All, all, all the trips around here were for Jodo. Now we're going to get into karate soon. But I uh, went to Toronto. One of my students uh, tested for a second don in, up in Toronto in, in Jodo, and she passed and looked really good.
1: All right. Yeah. All right. Congratulations.
0: Thanks. Those guys always put on a great seminar. Um, the Sato Kai uh, group and the Canadian uh, Kendo Federation, uh, you know, they have a seminar in usually November, December in Toronto, and they have one in May uh, in Guelph, Ontario every year. And it's just great. That is the go to Johto seminar in North America. In fact, they had people from Mexico and I think some South Americans. My student's partner for the test was from, um, I think, Mexico City. So it's a very international oh, wow. group.
1: Maybe we'll see some of those people at the one in August.
0: I, yeah, I think so. I think uh, hopefully hopefully some people will, will start to come. I think we, hopefully they uh, took some notice after this last one, and, and some of them might stop by Cincinnati. Weekend after that, I was down in South Carolina, so I went from Toronto, drove back to Cincinnati. Next weekend, I went down to South Carolina to work out with a guy you and I both know, uh, Victor Moore.
1: Oh, right. To yeah. say more. That's awesome. Yeah. How is he doing
0: down there? Uh he's doing he's doing well. Um you know, he has he's had some medical issues. I think he needs some hip surgery, so he's not able to get up and physically do what he could do, you know, when people think of him in the in the sixties and seventies and eighties winning these championships and you know, on T V and things like that. You know, he's uh, in his mid seventies and he's got a hip problem, so he can't do all this. But Dude, he yeah. is extremely knowledgeable. I mean, he, t- he went over some self-defenses that I had never seen before that were just fantastic. He went over one from a front bear hug that you just get out just instantly. It, it was amazing. And I've never seen it before. I've been martial arts for 25 years. And I had never seen that escape. Before. Oh, wow. And so it's always a really good experience. Uh, Seeing him and talking with him, and there's some good people that are down there working out with him. Uh, I'm sorry, we're down there at the at the seminar. And something else, there is an upcoming documentary by the director's Chris Everett, who's done some. Uh, oh award- yeah, he's done some award winning documentaries. He did uh, Wilmington on Fire. Did you see that one?
1: Yeah, I watched that one. You can see, you can watch it on uh, Vimeo. For, like, the same kind of prices it would be to rent, uh, you know, rent a video from Amazon or whatever. It's, like, $3. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's about when—it uh, was about a mi- the only military—only successful military coup ever put on in American history, where a group of people uh, staged a coup, took over the government, and remained in power. Mm-hmm. We're not, we're not put down by the U S military. So it's, it's a pretty rough and upsetting, uh, thing to watch, uh, you know, trigger warning, you know, (laughs) this isn't like the kind of thing that you just, you know, want to watch real idly because it's pretty upsetting. It's about, you know, white supremacy and, you know, reconstruction in the South and everything and black people doing well. And then their neighbors not appreciating that very much and wanting to take their property from them yeah. and then successfully doing so but uh, it's a hell of a piece of american history and he has some really good you know really good people on there that uh, he interviews
0: he he so, does yeah, and he's a cool guy he is and and so he does this was is, is so he a lot of his films and Wilmington on Fire it's still showing there's still showings I think at universities and things and Chris will go and talk while they're showing the film so um, I don't know the lo- I don't know all the the dates and times but I think if you go Facebook page I think Wilmington on Fire has those so you can go on if you're interested in seeing that or attending one of the events um, but a lot of his films have to do with African American history and the next one is yeah. grand it's called Grandmaster and it's a it's a video about Victor, it's a, not a video, it's a movie about Victor Moore and his contributions to martial arts and uh, African American uh, culture in general. Yeah. Um, the, I'm uh, really looking forward to seeing that. Me too.
1: Now no, tell me again, is it is it, at, is it actually out now or is it coming out
0: soon? It, it's coming out soon. Uh, the, there's a trailer released. In fact, I, I shared it on Chop Talk and the Co-Show Facebook page this week, so... Anybody can oh, okay. go on there and watch that. Uh, I think I I even make a quick appearance in the in the trailer. So if if you you know if you blink you might miss it, but I am in there briefly. And I think the approach. I, I don't think you've seen the trailer yet, Ezra. But but the there's video and over the top. Uh, Victor Moore is speaking and he's talking about karate and the importance of that karate is something that. Affects your whole life. It's not just to win win tournaments or beat people up or or whatever. It's something that can Im- improve and does affect your whole life. And I think that's that's so important. And I, I'm really looking forward to that being expanded on in this movie.
1: Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. I think that's really. I mean, I think that's something people would be really interested in. I mean, any any time you're getting to find out about uh, some of the original guys that were doing this, because you know, Vic Moore. Uh, For for listeners that don't know, truly was an American karate pioneer. I mean, he was very very early in it. He was he started before my teacher or before Sensei Awa. He was Sensei Awa's
0: first instructor.
1: You started before those guys. Yeah, you really were one of the first ones. (laughs) Yeah. And he was and he was doing it at a time when almost everything like that was segregated. You know, and it's really an interesting thing to get to hear when you're around some of these older guys, uh, you know, black and white guys, just talk about, you know, it's just something that even some of them that are pretty racist on both sides, because there are, just like everybody else, you know, with karate guys, there's some karate guys that are a little bit racist, you know, (laughs) Uh, even those guys, you'll hear them, they really, they really are, we're all very proud of that at the time. That mm-hmm. it was something that they all did together. Karate, because with all the not be stuff that was going on at that time. I mean, geez, in the '60s, you know, riots and all this stuff. You know, here you had somebody like Mr. McLean, who was from the South, uh, very rural, uh, not particularly educated background, and here he's up in Chicago teaching a room full of black people how to fight, mm-hmm. how to protect themselves such a cool thing yeah. you know I mean it really is like something to be celebrated yeah. about about martial arts and about karate and and judo specifically karate and judo that guys were all doing that together at a time when we were being torn apart from each other so it's really a neat really a neat thing you know? it is
0: and that reminds me of something that that your teacher said and I don't remember if he said it in a podcast interview or just one of the times that i i visited down there it's that he didn't uh, and I, I, maybe ezra you can give me the exact quote but the, you know he didn't care you know what color what gender what sexual orientation the person mm-hmm. was uh, mm-hmm. it's 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 hard enough to get a good karate student you know and then you're going to set you're going to kick them out because of, of some uh, because of their race it, uh, boy he was a cool guy yeah. <laughs> You make me miss my sense. You're about to get me choked
1: up uh, over here.
2: All right, all right. We'll, ch- we'll, change, <laughs> yeah. we'll change
0: gears oh, then. Oh, I
1: loved that about him. Yeah. <laughs>
2: hey,
0: everyone. Like the show? Enjoy hearing interviews with martial artists from around the world? and share it with a friend, family member, co-worker, everyone at your dojo, your fellow karate cop. You can find new episodes every Sunday at choptalk.podbean.com. That's choptalk.podbean.com. And don't forget to like the show on Facebook. Thanks. So the the next thing uh, I did the following weekend, uh, I went to the ISA Kabuto Seminar taught by uh, Robert Bowles in Fort Wayne. So I went from the South back to the Midwest. Uh, that was good. A couple other guys from our dojo went. Ken Kirkmeyer, who spends a lot of time in Fort Wayne training. And then uh, Jason Spurlock, one of the guys who went up for black belt uh, when when you were oh, in okay. town. So we went there. That was great. Great, big attendance. A ton of people there from all over. Uh, it's one of the big, um, you know, the ISA is the biggest Shuri organization out there. And just a ton of people were at attendance. And we worked some bow, some psi. And uh, what other weapon did we work? Did we work Kama? Osai, and uh, we did something else. Tonfa. What did we do, Ezra? You weren't there. I can't remember though. Anyway, <laughs> we worked. We were three weapons. Worked some kata. It was. It was a good time. That's great. How's yeah. uh,
1: how Sensei Bowles
0: doing? He's doing great. He's you know he's in great great shape. Uh, real active and you know friendly every time I see him. So it, he's doing really well. Then I then I had a weekend off. Of karate, but not of travel. So I went home for Thanksgiving. After Thanksgiving, then was the big one. Off to Okinawa. Oh boy! I went to Okinawa for two weeks. It was really good. I, I haven't been there since uh, uh, the very end of 2015. So I guess it was I guess it was four years. And uh, one of our Jodo guys, top Jodo guys, Paul Tarvin, went with me this time. So. That was the first time I had someone sort of tag along on the full trip with me. And, man, it was just good to be back. That's really cool, yeah. Good to- I
1: know that's something that you have wanted to do for a while, you know, is is to take some people, you know, over there, some of us guys that have trained with you that haven't been, you know.
0: Yeah. So that's really cool that he was able to do it. Did he He have a good time? I I think he did. I want to get him on here because he had never been to Japan before. So I think maybe in a couple of weeks we'll have him on as a, and kind of pick his brain on what his impressions were. Um it was yeah, it was that'd be a great podcast. It was interesting for me because, you know, I remember the first time I went there and I was just blown away by everything, just everything being different. But then after living there for a few years, traveling back and forth, you know, certain things become normal. Oh, this is just the way when you go in a convenience store, you know, everybody just yells, you're shy, my son, at you. You know, it's not surprising anymore. So it was it was interesting to watch and see what was surprising to him uh, hmm. as a first-time visitor compared to me, you know, being being back and forth quite a few times.
1: Why do they do that? What does that mean? The oh. Oh, oh, the
0: convenience store is just like, it's, it's welcome. So when a customer when a customer comes in, like all the shop staff just say, you're I'm sandwich means like basically you know, like welcome, you know, welcome to the shop, oh, welcome okay. to the store. Um, and, uh, but we had a great time training. I mean, it was just nonstop. We didn't stop. We just went, we we're training, we train more than seven hours a day, probably, I don't know, five or six times. Uh, because what we do, we do, wow. we, we do the Jodo training in the morning through the afternoon and then uh, Fukuhara Sensei, my Jodo teacher would want to keep going and he said, oh no Sensei I promised we'd go to the Karate Dojo tonight. So <laughs> then we'd go take a shower and head to the Karate Dojo after that and train for a few hours at all the Karate Dojos. So we were doing that the whole time. It was really good to see her. I was afraid that things changed were going to change and they didn't. Pretty much everybody was still there. There's a couple more gray hairs than there were before, but everybody was still there doing the same thing. You know, because when you work out with people and they're in their, you know, in their seventies, you're like, I don't know, maybe he's, you know, maybe he's not doing so well. And you get there and he's just in his eighties and just working out just as hard as they they were five years uh, ago, ten years ago. That's so cool, man. That's like the
1: that's the ultimate thing in the martial arts. You know, that's the thing that. I think it really excites. It really excites all of us that are serious students the most when we see a legitimately older person still training and doing it. It's just it's like uh, in our culture, so many people do athletic things until they're maybe eighteen or nineteen years old, mm. and then they're just done. Yeah, and they sit around and watch football on TV and get fat. And sports is just something that you did when you were a kid, right. and that is so sad I mean it is just not how it should be and when I know I really noticed that there was a uh, mr Stouchberry since Paul Stouchberry used to would always bring a big group of guys over from London to the u s k k nationals in Peoria mm-hmm. and uh it was so interesting to me that these guys were all they were all very fit. And they all participated in, like, multiple physical activities together. So they all did karate together at, like, a serious level where mm-hmm. they went to tournaments in both, uh, like, regular, like, Shotokan Shii tournaments where they did Shotokan, Kumite, and Kata.
2: Mm-hmm. And then
1: they also would go and compete in these, like, Kudo things that are, like, knockout. It's, like, um, basically like Kyokushin karate except for you can wrestle on the ground and you can oh. you wear, like, kind of a Koshiki helmet. Okay. And they punch each other. I mean, it's very, very violent. Yeah, it's not for everybody. O- only really, really people who are like combat sports, people would be going to do it, you know. Right. Um, and, and they also like played soccer and were on like a running team together. And it was just like to them, sport was something that, yes, they did go and watch what, you know, their football, you know, European football matches, and mm. they were into that. But they really were into participating in all these things. And I just thought that was so cool because it's really a person. And over there it just seemed like that was more of a norm where over here, it's more of a norm that people just don't do anything like that once they get older, you know, and it's just like the only way that you keep playing sports is if you're like the very best person at it. Right. And that sucks. You know, I mean, it just shouldn't, shouldn't be that way. You know, it makes for a, makes for a uh, weaker, And just less prepared, less happy group of people to not do vigorous physical things on into old age like you see other places. And I mean, that's got to be one of the things that has just attracted so many, certainly like the first American servicemen that were over there in Okinawa. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I mean, that was like something that you hear him say is like, you're this little old man. Right. You know, and these guys, most of them were on the Marine Corps boxing or Navy boxing or these different things. They're really tough, tough guys. Mm -hmm. And these little old men could could still fight. You know, they could still, you know, not only could they get out there and perform the katas, but they could still, to some extent, you know, contend with these guys. I mean, what a cool thing. You know, I mean, it's just like it's really a special thing, special thing in the air on that on that group of islands. Yeah of longevity, you know, yeah. even beyond what you see in other martial arts cultures, they really are doing that on in the old age and it it's so
0: cool. Absolutely, you know, that little old man thing, so many, that's how so many karate guys, that's how Robert Trias got started, this little old man was wanted to learn uh, yeah. American boxing, and then he got beat up, <laughs> and so he wanted to learn Chinese boxing <laughs> um, but that's not the only one, you know, the, there's a lot of those, no. and And the thing about martial arts, you brought up, like, uh, you know, um, uh, football, uh, baseball. You know, a lot of the team sports that we play in high school in America, you have to have a team to do them. And maybe you cannot do football physically when you're 35 or 40. But the martial arts is something you can do at any age. You can not only do it, but you can start it at any age. And you can, you can do it for different reasons. You can do it because you want to win tournaments or you want to beat people up when you're young, but then you can do it for physical fitness as well. You can do it to help improve your coordination. We had a guy who, um, starting at our dojo, who was in his seventies. He was, I think he's 70, he was over older than 73. I want to say 76. And he started because he had sort of a, it wasn't a stroke, but it was like a, brain bleed, there's there's some difference between those. And he had lost some coordination and he wanted to improve it. So he was yeah. yeah. So he was training in Johto and you could see every class he came in, it wasn't dramatically better, but it was a little better, a little better, a little better every time. And I'll tell you this, he was one of the guys that got a promotion in Cincinnati. He got promoted. He and he earned that promotion. Nobody gave it to him because they felt bad for this old man. He earned every bit of it. And the same thing in Okinawa, you have these guys that are in their eighties, you know, that are super physically active. And are they doing it for self-defense? No, nobody's going to come and try to beat you up when you're eighty year old man living in Okinawa. But yeah, <laughs> but probably about the
1: safest place you could be an eighty year old man in the whole world, <laughs>
0: right? But but you can do it for all these different reasons. Ah, so anyway, it, it was it right. was fun. That's right.
1: Yeah, it's really it's that's really true, and it's like it's just such a. It's such a neat thing, you know, that like, I think, man, you know, it's honestly, that's something that a lot of people miss about it. That, and it's surprising because as much as it, I mean, it is touted for having, you know, it's like a mental, you know, good thing for your mind. Mm-hmm. But I, that you really can't stress that enough, how much any type of martial arts, even if it's just like a combat sport martial art, like the sport of boxing, There is so much going on mentally Mm -hmm. that you're having to learn, you know, as far as, like, you're talking about. I mean, I wish that I was new more to where I could break it down more for people of what the actual science is behind it. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, you're you're growing brain cells, I'm pretty sure, by doing this stuff. Yeah, Because it's really difficult mentally to, you know, you're learning how to recognize patterns all these different kind of things. And I mean, then you're interfacing that with moving your body and being in control of your body, which is mm-hmm. your central nervous system. Mm-hmm. I mean, no wonder these guys live so long and are able to do that, you know, that are, and right. are able to still do this stuff in old age. I mean, it's, it's really, you're like, you are actually keeping yourself young by right. doing it, or maybe even making yourself younger mentally yeah. by doing it. You know, even if you start when you're an older guy.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, and it's not, you mentioned combat sports, but the combat version, but you don't have to, if you don't want to get punched in the face or you exactly. don't ha, you don't have to, I mean, I think you're going to get the same thing out of Aikido, out of Tai Chi, out of uh, mm-hmm. a karate school that doesn't do any kind of sparring. Uh, and there's lots of other different versions of this too, where you don't have to spar and fight and get into the combat aspect of the martial arts to get a lot of these benefits.
1: That's right.
0: Yeah. That's right. So we're running we're running way past here man. I I guess I did more in, at the end of last year than I thought. So um <laughs> So we might have to do another episode on on everything we did in Okinawa, but man, it was great. I, you know, I worked out with the all the Shidokan guys, they're doing great. Saw Shinzado sensei again. Uh did a ton of jodo, eido, and uh, also, I got to I got to teach. I will I will add this one. I got to teach karate in Okinawa.
1: Hey, where did you get to do that?
0: So, um, uh, Miwa, my good friend Miwa Kanazawa, and you're a good friend too. Uh, oh yeah, she's That's right. She's teaching not karate, but she's teaching um, a course at a university in Nago, and part of it's like a cultural studies course. And as part of their their course, they were going to learn karate. And the timing worked out just right, so we were in town right when they needed to do this course. So me was like, "Nate, why don't you teach it?" I'm like, "Wow, awesome!" So we got to teach. Uh, I think each class had about forty-five people. Um, most of them had never done any martial arts before. There were a couple of guys who did judo and a couple of guys who did some sort of kickboxing, but for the most part, they were complete beginners. And it was so. It was a perfect location because Nagos is, has this beautiful bay, this tropical bay, and we're the university is up on a hill, and so we were in sort of the gymnasium of the university, which is the top. So you looked out every window in every direction, and you're seeing like this gorgeous view. You look in the other direction, you're seeing the jungle, and uh, it just had a blast, you know. Uh, so I really appreciate Miwa uh, setting that up and giving giving me the opportunity to, to teach the, you know, you know, I've learned so much in Okinawa, but it's, it's really kind of special when you get to teach there too.
1: Oh yeah. That's a really big deal. Cause I mean, you know, like, uh, I was saying that earlier about the Jodo thing that it's a, you know, this is a cultural preservation, you know, for them. And it's sacred, you know, bordering on being sort of a sacred thing. Yeah. Uh, so that's, if you're getting to, that honor—that's a very big deal over there, you know. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's an honor to get to participate, but yes, it's really an honor if you have reached that level where they're wanting you to share something. That's really cool. Yeah, man, thanks.
0: Well, all right. Before we we need to add, we'll, we'll have another episode about all the Okinawan stuff. But I, I did want to touch. That's Right, yeah, and get Mister Tarvin on there too. Yes, definitely. Thanks to Ezra Scott from James McLean's Kosho School of Karate for joining me. If you want to learn more about Ezra and his school, please visit www.koshokarate.wordpress.com. Well, as you heard, it has been a busy few months, but we have some great interviews lined up and some very interesting topics to discuss over the next few weeks. Check out the Chop Talk Facebook page for photos from this week's show and to share your comments on today's discussion. Wherever you listen, please write a review and give us a 5-star rating. And if you like the show, make sure to let everyone at your dojo know. Thanks for listening. Nihetibiru and mataya. Chop Talk is brought to you by the Kosho School of Karate's Premium Martial Arts Training Equipment Frustrated with the low quality of the big manufacturers, the hassle and expense of custom made equipment, or the months-long delivery times offered by the Japanese brands, if your order ever arrives at all, Kosho offers makiwara, iron sandals, specialty punching bags, and other premium martial arts training equipment, all at great prices and great delivery times. Kosho equipment is guaranteed to be high quality and heavy duty. Exactly what serious traditional martial artists demand. Contact the Kosho School of Karate for more information. Go to www.koshoequip.com or email kosho school of karate at gmail.com. Kosho, premium martial arts training equipment for the serious martial artist.